I did not get the Berserker. Berserker. Why don't you suck my cock, Berserker? This is Wayne. Paul, Paul, Paul. Yes, sir. I, I uh, have learned of something this morning that uh, I think it's going to reset the table. Is, is what oh. I think. This is game changing. Oh. Um, there is an 80 year old scotch. Eight going zero. On, okay. Yeah, eight zero going on the market later this year. There are only 250 bottles decanted. This scotch went into the barrel on February 3rd, 1940, so before World War II. And uh, um, it is uh, purported to be magnificent. So I'm thinking you and I need to both sell our houses so that we Mm -hmm. can buy a bottle. (laughs) Have they revealed the price? (laughs) Not yet, but, you know, it's going to be thousands of dollars. It's the oldest bottle of scotch ever decanted. Wow. I, uh, but you know, Paul, we got to have it. <laughs> well, I mean, duh. It, just, 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 just go ahead and put it on pre-order. <laughs> That's I'm, right. I'm good That's from, right. I'm good for my half. I'll go ahead and add it to my cart on total wine. <laughs> yeah. Right. So not being a, not being a drinker. What is decanting? I hear uh, the word all the time. But. It's where you take, cause you know, scotch ages in oak barrels. And right. so you de- decant it into a bottle. Okay, so once basically you, just removing from the barrel and putting it in a bottle. Right. It is. Yeah. Once it goes into the bottle, it won't age any longer because it only ages while it's in contact with wood. Once it goes into the bottle, it becomes stable. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I'm fantasizing about just just a taste. I just want a taste of it. I want to know what that's like. And you know, a, a taste is going to be a hundred dollars. It's going to be hundreds of dollars. Yeah, uh, you know, it, just to get a shot. And you know, some jackass is going to buy a bottle of this and then add soda to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, decanting at like uh, 44.9% ABV, Paul. Um, it is reported to have a full, vibrant flavor. <sighs> I need me some of this. Just make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll ever taste it, Aaron. I don't think I just will either. <laughs> just like Batman apparently won't ever taste Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> that is an expert transition. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that is next level shit there, Wayne. Wow. You know, I woke up this morning and Jen was like, are you going to talk about the Batman thing on the podcast? How Batman <laughs> I'm like, how did you hear about that? She's like, oh, it's all over social media. <laughs> and it, it, it's everywhere. That oh, yeah. Me. The memes. <laughs> I mean, just the, 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 the throwaway line in an interview, which, you know, it's funny that it's kind of blown up 
Because in what reality did they think they were going to get away with that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, just 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 draw that in. And I'm sure well, Warner Brothers will be fine with it. I don't know why they wouldn't when, you know, Batgirl, you know, goes on top of Batman in the uh, uh, killing joke. I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, it's already I, they've already demonstrated, you know, sex acts in these DC animated films. Why wouldn't you be able to show Batman dropping on uh, Catwoman? I don't get that. I think the context is different. I think you know the 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 oral sex act and the tone of Harley Quinn is different than what they were going for in Killing Joke. And and let's be fair, Killing Joke was a shit movie anyway. True. So, no, I agree. So, that, so <laughs> I, I hold that entire movie against them, not just that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it just amuses me the response that heroes don't do that. I'm like, heroes <laughs> don't sexually gratify their partners. <laughs> wow, that sound very heroic. Yeah. You know, to be fair, it's Batman. Like, I, I don't know that I disagree with them. <laughs> like, eh, Batman doesn't seem like he'd do that. But, <laughs> well, but you know, right. I will say, you know. Whether or not Batman, uh, you know, is a cunning linguist, uh, he has got all kinds of toys, right? I mean, just yeah, right there in his utility belt. I mean, he can do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know that he learned that in his Tibetan travels. You know he did. You know he did. He's got. Some, he's like Sting. You know, he's got those this tantric powers. Yeah, I was know? about to say. I guarantee he has tantric sex. Yeah, yeah. Well, he learned it from Zatanna. Well, and just think of all the all the stuff he learned from Talia. I mean, come yeah. on, come on. And you know, I'm sorry. You know. Come on. There is no doubt in my mind that, that Superman is doing all kinds of stuff for Lois. Because he he is an overachiever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is super foreplay. You know, he is able, he has the powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men, you know? And under our yellow sun, he is imbued with far more powerful foreplay <laughs> powers. Yeah, and you're going to tell me during the New 52 would say Superman was with Wonder Woman that... Uh, that she didn't make him? Uh-huh. Yeah. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Yeah, he's, he's actually way without doing that. I'm just saying, you know, heroes are heroes, not just out in the streets, but also in the sheets. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I felt like I was on a Kicked in the Dice Bags episode here. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a lot more blue, Paul. A lot yeah, more fair, blue. Fair, fair. <laughs> well, you know, DC... Well, <laughs> Batman doesn't drop, but DC apparently does because they dropped Batman Superman announced this week uh, that this September's issue of Batman Superman would be the last issue of the current run. I can't. I, I am stunned that they're dropping that series. It, it has been uh, uh, awfully good. I've, been, I've really enjoyed the current storyline. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot, too. It's really hugely disappointing. I mean, it's not the easiest digital read. Right. No. But the story itself has been really good. You know, maybe, and I don't know if, they they don't really clarify in the article that I read. um, Yeah, same. If it's sales related, or maybe it was always just intended to end. You know, that they, they, you know, Gene Yang had a, and um, I don't recall the artist off the top of my head. Ivan Rice, I think, is the artist. You know, maybe just had a story that they wanted to do, and well, they gave them a book to do it, but maybe it was never intended to be a long-term thing. The article that I read said they're ending it early. So I, it uh, does sound okay. like, you know, there's there's some uh, untold story there, or, you know. I, I just, it makes me sad. I, I, I hate when you see a good good book end. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we're and Nightwing is safe because I mean this book is probably amongst my favorite books that I'm reading right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I, I said recently that Joker was probably my number one book in general, but I feel like Nightwing is is a close second. Yeah, and Nightwing is a huge love letter to uh, uh, Tim Drake as well, so I'm loving yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Tom Taylor's really you know knocking it out with the story, and the the artwork on this book is just fantastic. Uh, there is, it's got a nice mix of adventure and drama and humor. You know, I think one of the things that that's critical about Nightwing is that he is a glass half full kind of guy and, you know, being able to, you know, laugh in, you know, in this book, I think is important. Uh, Bruno Redondo on art is just amazing. Yeah, he's doing the work of his career here. Yeah, for sure. it is gorgeous. It is just yeah. gorgeous. I love Bitewing. Bitewing Bite is wing. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And the dog has two names now. Well, and I, I love. He's like his name's not Bitewing, and, and Tim Drake is like, "Are you saying we can't have two names?" <laughs> and, and Oracle's like, "I have three. Yeah, <laughs> I love. This and book. Did you catch her shirt? Her T-shirt? I don't think I did. Oh, I didn't. It's Batman slapping Robin. Oh, nice. I, I, that I just noticed Batman that. That is, Robin. <laughs> that is hysterical. Well, and I, you know, one of the things I, I appreciate most about the art in this book by Bruno Redondo is that Haley or Bitewing, like, is a genuinely cute dog. Yeah. Like, you know, some artists just do not draw dogs well uh-huh. or animals well, and you know. She has so much character, that dog, um, you know, and, and you, like when um, Nightwing is lying in bed later on that evening and she's just cuddled up with him. Uh-huh. Like you can tell this is a person who, who has spent some time with puppies. Yeah. It, everything about this book is terrific. I love yeah. this book. Yeah, it is one of my favorite books. I think I'm enjoying Joker more because Joker has been, you know, just amazing. But this is right up there, especially with having Tim Drake in the book. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's interesting about this book, um, you know, we talked about it when it was first announced, but once you turn that first page on the digital copy, there's a big ad for Superman, Son of Kal-El, which yeah. is written by Tom Taylor also, um, you know, art by John Timms. And, you know, I know we, we, we are of mixed feelings about it, but I'm the fact that Tom Taylor is involved, I, I have a lot of hopes for that book. Well, I'm also, I I know that this is going to uh, really upset Wayne, but the ad at the back of the book for Superman and the Authority by Grant Morrison and uh, Michael Jannon looks fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, I thought the ad did too. If it wasn't, if I didn't know it was Grant Morrison writing it, I actually might pick it up. Yeah, well, I'm in for the first issue. issue Same. I'm in for the first issue. I, I, I like the look of it. I'm intrigued. I want me some of that. Yeah, and it's only a four issue miniseries, so it's yeah. not like uh, you know we're dealing with a year, a, you know, a year long storyline or anything like that. Right. Well, uh, also a limited series is Supergirl number one. It's issue one of eight. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, I have yeah. really been looking forward to this book. Yeah, I did not realize it was a miniseries until you just mentioned it. But yeah, right there on the cover, one of eight. <laughs> it is written by Tom King with art by Bilquis. Evilly? I mean, I feel like they're making names up. Uh, <laughs> Bilquis? <laughs> I, I think I went to school with this dude. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, Bilquis Evilly. I, I I don't know if that's a a dude or not, but uh, okay. I think he was in my Garage Band. Um, <laughs> the artwork is uh, unusual. I I feel for the choice of a of a super book, right? Uh, it, it has a very uh, fantasy sort of look to it, which suits it because the the book seems you know set in a in a rather sword and sorcery sort of world uh we find supergirl on her 21st birthday who's now old enough to drink uh has traveled to a world under a under a red sun so that she can get drunk on her 21st birthday um i i enjoyed this book quite a bit i mean it, it's almost like supergirl runs into conan at one point um i seeing supergirl you know fighting with swords is a lot of fun uh, seeing Supergirl having to, uh, you know, adapt to not having her powers, you know, her little drinking adventure goes awry when uh, she winds up in, in shenanigans. Uh, I like this book. What'd you guys think? I was torn. <laughs> um, it wasn't an instant hit for me. I, I, I enjoyed some of it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I I had a hard time getting into it. Um and, and perhaps it was I, – I don't know what I – I think I was uh, unprepared for the level of the, – the exposition, exposition heavy. Um, yeah, it is narrative you know, heavy. Yeah, yeah the agree. narrative heavy uh, aspect of the book uh, because Tom, that's not how Tom King normally writes. Right. right. Like, you know, sometimes you read a Tom King book and it's like 30 seconds later, oh, I should probably start over because the book's already <laughs> over. <laughs> um, but yeah, but this was a very narrative heavy, talky book. I, I I enjoyed it. I thought the art was was really good. It fit the the style of story. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not. I, I don't appreciate that. It feels like every book I'm reading lately, something bad happens to the dog. Right. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that that no worst villain ever. <laughs> but I, I'm intrigued enough for for a second issue, and I do I did like the 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 whole like setup was that Supergirl was on this planet with a red sun. Because she just wanted to get drunk, and I, I liked that. I thought that was funny. Um, so there's some good humor in it. I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic because Tom King has burned me before, and yeah. uh, you know, Aaron, are you still reading Strange Adventures? Yes, I am. Are you still Are you enjoying Strange Adventures? I am. I am. It okay. is. I will tell you that I feel like it's probably uh, you know several issues too long. Um, you know, because he's just doling out story to you. Um, but I think that when it's all said and done, it will read really well collected. Yeah, so I am far more on the Paul side on this one of I didn't like it. Really? I, I didn't like the story being told. I understand the wanting to get drunk thing, but I don't know. I just don't like the idea of if you have those level of powers, choosing to go somewhere to not have them. I I didn't like the... It really did feel like a fantasy story, and that wasn't something I wanted out of a Supergirl story. I I think we're we're kind of all over the place. Yeah, and from a miniseries standpoint, she's stranded on this planet now, so we're going to have more time with Supergirl with no powers. I get my only uh, complaint about the book is you either have your powers or you don't under a red sun. Right. Yeah, and if you don't, you're not going to stand there with three arrows in your chest. Right. And I mean that I, I had a hard time with that. <laughs> um, I'm sure they're going to make some kind of argument that she's got some residual invulnerability, but you know the the rules around you know red sun radiation. 
uh, you know, change depending on the story they're telling. Um, and that always frustrates me. Yeah, and it's not invulnerability if the arrows are sticking in and you're bleeding. Right. Um, but I, I, I am intrigued by the fact that we're telling, we're going to be telling a Supergirl story where Supergirl doesn't have her superpowers and it looks to be, you know, a, a swords and sandals, swords and sorcery kind of story. Uh, I'm interested. I, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. And I like Tom King. I think Tom King is an interesting storyteller. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how we do here. Yeah. And that's why I'm not interested in it is I don't want to see the story of, her without her powers unless we were dealing with like the new 52 or the pre-new 52 version where she's been trained by wonder woman right but i didn't see anything that really indicated that out of her fighting style here yeah and i do kind of wonder you know uh she winds up being fairly adept with a sword and i'm like okay i, I wish somebody would explain how she is so good with a sword yeah, you know? and if they go back to how her appearance right before new 52 right. that would make sense yeah, absolutely that version absolutely. trained on Thana, you know on uh Themyscira, yeah. but i haven't seen any indication this version has yeah yeah i i would i, I would be interested in, in some of that backstory hopefully tom king will talk about that because you know if you're gonna take supergirl's powers away from her and you're going to spend eight issues with her not having superpowers. You've got to be able to explain how she's able to survive and stand up against these kinds of bad guys, right? Um, so I, I'm interested. I'm in for number two. Now, you guys were both disappointed in Supergirl. Um, I was grossly disappointed in Static Number 1, The Return of Milestone. Um, I have been looking forward to this book for forever, and uh, Static Number One, Season One, uh, I thought was a, was a great big mess. Uh, I I and fundamentally, it comes down to the art to me. Um, and I know that I have got some heightened expectations based on my experience with the original Milestone books. And what I found objectionable about this book is. If when you look at the original Static Number One by uh, Dwayne McDuffie and John Paulion, the artwork is edgy. It is there is a grittiness to it. There is uh, a, a, a visceral quality to the artwork done by JPL, and that is not the case here. And it's the the artwork is so non-challenging. Well, and it's not even like they tried to match the artwork of the cartoon because they didn't even do that. Yeah. I look at some of these pages and I don't know if it's the actual art or if it was the, you know, the coloration team, because some of these faces, I mean, it looks like computerized coloring where they hit a here's a bucket color and let's dump it on and do Uh no shading on. But then in other panels, they're shading. But yeah, like no, the faces I, are so washed out. It is. It reminds me of some of those uh, late '90s, early 2000s uh, comics that were, you know, drawn digitally. I mean, it, it just it appears like there's no nuance in any of of these panels. The backgrounds are so, you know, CAD generated. I just, I was so frustrated by this book. But beyond the art, I felt like I felt like we were making some some big changes to Static himself that I, I that that really bother me. I mean, I know you've got to update the, the book, 
but it feels like in the process of updating the book, we've lost a lot of what makes static static. Um, well, yeah, and it seems like they couldn't make up their mind. Uh-huh. So they did the the whole uh, – I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a zero issue. Whatever it was that led into this, he has his big fight in public using his powers. So right. naturally, okay, everyone should know who he is, but then they walk that back of everyone thinks it was someone else. Right. But then they also in this book, after they walk that back, his whole family sees him using his powers. Yeah. One of the things I always liked about the cartoon more than the original comic, I think, was his father not knowing and having opinions on static. And his whole family knowing, I don't like that. And it's like they can't make up their mind. Does he have a secret identity or doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I feel like the book doesn't take a, uh, a a strong stance on anything. And in the fact that they... You know, I one of the great things about the original book is that it was challenging. You know, it it, it challenged your concept of hero. It you know, very, Static is very much the Spider-Man of the Milestone universe, and you know he's got real problems. He's a real guy. You know, uh, but I don't feel challenged by any anything in this book other than you know challenging my ability to like it. And the supporting cast feels so flat. Yeah. Like, Frida has no personality whatsoever. And maybe that's because the art has her so washed out and personality-less as well. But, yeah, his friends don't seem to have personality. Yeah. His family had a little bit more, but even there... Yeah, to your point, I think the whole whole book is rather like (laughs) Jell-O. You know, it's just not exciting. It's not challenging. It does nothing to to make you go, my God, I've got to read the next bit of this story. You know, it's written by uh, Vida Ayala. I have n- never heard of this person. Uh, that that doesn't mean anything other than I'm just not familiar with their work. But the layouts are by Chris Cross, and you know, Chris Cross is is fantastic. Um, but it is finished and colored by uh, Nicholas Draper Ivy, and I think that may be the problem in terms of the art. But I mean, I, it all goes back to the original story uh, by Vida Ayala. I, I, it's just not challenging. And a, a boy, yeah. for a, and a. I want a challenging villain for him. Well, and what I mean by that is I want a villain that he actually has to think about and deal with. Uh-huh. They're giving him generic, here's the bully villain. You're right. And that's, a, that's definitely a villain to have in your story overall but to focus so thoroughly on a villain who's just evil because he's evil yeah he's just a bully yeah yeah there's no nuance to his character at all either yeah yeah i you know there is there is so much in the milestone universe that you know challenges your your perspectives for this to be the the book that relaunches milestone uh it's just super disappointing yeah, I was looking forward to this more than any of yeah. them, and it's, like you, I was hugely disappointed with it. It yeah. just, well, it Jello is a good way to put it. It was just soft. Yeah, yeah, it just it just wasn't good. Was not good. I can't recommend it. And hey, you know, learn from me, <laughs> dear listener. If you've got the Infinity app from DC Comics, it's included. You don't have to go and buy this. Um, you know, if you want to take a look at it, I, I was, uh, deeply disappointed that a, I bought it and that B, I found out that it was already included in my app. So, uh, yeah, disappointing all around. So, uh, 
one of the books that uh, I, I I'm not sure I was aware of it before New Comic Book Day, but I but I saw it on New Comic Book Day, and I have learned I have learned the lesson, guys, that you always got to look to see what's coming out from AfterShock Comics because they have really produced some uh, really exciting books uh, in in the last several months. Uh, yeah, one of them we don't talk about that I've been reading from AfterShock is uh, Project Patron. That looks good. I really enjoy it, and I noticed the same ads in it this week that I did in this book, Uh and that's what made me realize, oh, they're from the same company. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I hate to say this, but Aftershock doesn't have a strong brand influence on me, other than that I note I'm reading more and more of their books these days, and I sure am enjoying them. But, you know, I saw the cover for Seven Swords, and I was intrigued, and then when I read the write-up about it, I'm like, well, hell, I got to get this. You know, it's essentially uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but instead of of, uh, Victorian or Gothic Age heroes, these are swashbucklers. Uh, that are all you know from different uh, uh, different fictional sources. So you know you've got D'Artagnan, you've got Cyrano de Bergerac, you've got Captain Blood and others. Uh, the artwork in this book by uh, Ricardo Latina is gorgeous, and I gotta yeah. say, really enjoyed the writing by Evan da- uh, Dogerty. Yeah, and the after the story, they have write ups on. Some of the characters, the ones you started to see, uh-huh. I su- suspect we'll see in the next issue the rest of the characters. Yeah. I like the write-ups. I read all the descriptions on them, you know, who these characters are, because I don't know all of them to the same level. Right. You yeah, know, like, I'm a uh, big Three Musketeers fan, so Detar- the fact they follow D'Artagnan as the main character yeah. is great for me, because it lets me jump on with the character I know the best. Yeah, I, I'll say the character that I wasn't familiar with was Catalina. Yeah, um, I have no idea what she's from. Yeah, so you know the the write up on her w- was uh, was uh, you know helpful, <laughs> but you know you, you've got you know Cyrano, you got your Don Juan. Uh, I I think it's just a, it's, it's it's a lot of fun. That's what I liked about the book. It was so much fun, and I love the depiction of D'Artagnan. Yeah, know? and w- one of the things that I love that usually when you have some of these sword fighting books. There's a lot of swashbuckling sword fighting, and there's not really blood or people just kind of walk away from things. Right. You don't have that with this one. It's sword fighting. You know, sometimes you do have characters that are, like, punched or they they leave the fight without being dead. But there's a lot of getting dead happening. Yeah. So, Paul, did you read this one? I picked it up, but I have not read it yet. And uh, it sounds like a really interesting concept, so I do want to read it. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. In fact, the only criticism I have about the, the book is that I think there are some awkward scene transitions in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, it is a, it's a hoot and a half. It, it, yeah, it the art is. looks really good. You know, sometimes on these independent books, you just, you know, it can be concerning. Yeah. But the art looks really, really well done. Yeah. yeah, I haven't had any complaints on the art with any of the Aftershock books that I've been reading. But yeah, overall, like I said the the art I think fits the story. It's really good, and this just has that swashbuckling feel. The big damn adventuring with swords and pistols and riding chandeliers and yeah, it, know, it, it, and threesomes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the threesomes are important to your swashbuckling adventure. Uh, but it, it's it's a lot of fun, and you know the the exciting thing is while I'm not familiar with the work of Ricardo Latina. He he just really seems to know his stuff in terms of of uh, communicating the story in a visual form. It, it is 
really it's pretty to look at. It's exciting to read. Um, it, it is a, a big surprise to me, and, and wow, you know, I read it right after my horrible, horrible disappointment in Static, so uh, it, 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 re- it really helped to brighten the mood. Uh, <laughs> nice palate cleanse. It really was. It really was. I, I, it kind of reset me, so uh, big stuff. It was it was great. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, Paul, I, I'll be eager to hear what you think once you've had an opportunity to look at it. So, you guys on for issue two? Oh, I yeah. Here. I, ho- yeah. Yeah. It, you know, just like Batman, hard on. <laughs> yeah, I have to say this was a really good week in comics, even though there were two books I didn't enjoy. All of my other books were books I loved, not just good reads, but loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I picked up um, Superman or what is it called? Uh, Red, Red and Blue. Blue. Yeah, um, I have not had a chance to read it yet. But the reason I picked it up is this issue has um Stories written by Mark Wade, Francis Manipal, Robert Venditti, uh, art by um, Fra- Francis Manipal, again, um, Kali Hamner, Joe Quinones. So it's got a hell of an all-star uh, cast for an issue four of a book. So I'm, yeah. I'll let you know my thoughts on it because it it looks pretty spectacular. Well, and and the, I wanna, the art looks gorgeous. I want to know how the Bizarro story is because I know this one has a Bizarro story in it too. Yeah, I hear the Bizarro story is is pretty fantastic actually so that, that i i've heard good things and i will let you know my thoughts i'm looking forward to reading it on the infinity infinity yeah hey paul yes sir what's coming out next week well speaking of dc comics and batman batman reptilian number one comes out it's a new mini series written by garth ennis with art by liam sharp um i think it's kind of like a batman horror book uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm intrigued. It's a, it's a black label book, so it's a mature reader's title. Uh, and you know, I haven't re- I haven't read anything written by Garth Ennis in a long time. Uh, so I'm gonna. I might check that out. Um, also from DC Comics, Batman Superman number 19. You can get caught up before the book ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, new issues of Detective Comics and Justice League and Superman. The first issue of Infinite Frontier from Joshua Williamson and uh, Hermonico on art, uh, cover by Mitch Jarrods. This is the multiverse, uh, I guess, protectors. Uh, group um, that features President Superman, Alan Scott, Jade, um, Jade's brother, whose name I forget, uh, Red Obsidian. Arrow, Obsidian, um, Red Arrow, uh, Barry Allen, and uh, someone else that's a blonde and with sunglasses. So I don't know who yeah. she is. <laughs> I'm going to give it a chance just because I love that lineup. Yeah, yeah. it's a hell of a lineup, and the yeah. cover's great, and you know, it's it's certainly featuring it, you know, Dark Side right there on the cover. I love so President Superman. I do too, and uh, you know the fact that they're—he's front and center on this book. Yeah. It's a six-issue miniseries. I'm definitely going to give the first issue a shot. Same. And uh, you know, speaking of multiversal, you know, adventure, Guardians of the Galaxy issue 15 from Al Ewing uh, and Juan Frigeri comes out, continuing that that storyline that we're really enjoying with Doctor Doom uh, on it. Um, you know, and the, the kind of this new Guardians of the Galaxy superhero book, uh, and there's something called Gamma Flight from Al Ewing. Um, spinning out of the Immortal Hulk, Bruce Banner's gamma-powered allies go on the run, oh, featuring dear. Puck, Absorbing Man, Titania, Doc Sasquatch, and Dr. Charlene McGowan. Who's oh, and a horribly that? changed Rick Jones. Who's drawing that book? Lan Medina, who, huh. he's, Lan Medina's a pretty solid artist, so. I may have to pick this up. 
Yeah, I'm going to check out the, I'm going to, you know, the cover looks pretty cool. Uh, I guess that's uh, why all the Hulk books were on sale this week. <laughs> Probably yeah. building up to this thing. Yeah. And uh, they're also finishing up the, uh, the writer story on that on Hulk. I can't remember. Oh yeah. Who's because come on Donny next, Cates but... and uh, Donny Cates and um, the invincible guy. Hmm. Uh, oh, are, R- Ryan, uh, Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley. Yeah. yeah. Are taking over, um, that book, uh, you know, they're really launching that later this year. I am yeah, looking I'm, forward to that. Uh, Ryan Otley drawing a Hulk book sounds fantastic to me. Yeah, well, I am definitely going to look through the preview pages of Gamma Flight because the setup definitely interests me. But I'll read the first few uh, pages of it and see if if I'm going to get it from there. Yeah. Or I'll Same let Aaron here. buy it and tell me what he thinks first. <laughs> what Aaron will do just to torture us is not give us his thoughts, not read it until Friday night. And a book I'm excited about. It is a book I'm excited about that uh, hopefully Andrew's on because I think he's the only one who will read it with me. Is Spawn's Universe, um, written by Todd McFarlane, art by Jim Chung, Brett Booth, Stephen Segovia, and Marcio Takara. Uh, you know, kind of relaunching the the you know the the multiple Spawn characters like Gunslinger Spawn, She Spawn, uh, and, and um, Medieval Spawn. What about and, Spawn uh, Boy? Spawn Boy. Well, he's coming, I'm sure. What about <laughs> and the Spawn? cover is by uh, Jay uh, Scott Campbell. So uh-huh. uh, I I will be picking it up and I will let you know my thoughts. Oh dear. Oh, I'll let you know. I don't yeah. care if you want to know. I'm yeah, like, exactly. That's my <laughs> concern. That is that is definitely my concern. All right. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought. Call and let us know what you how, how disappointed you were in Static. Uh, we want to know. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And a, a quick shout-out, by the time you're listening to this, the new episode, or new season, I should say, of Four Hauntsmen should be available on your podcast feed as well. So um, check out, uh, you know, uh, on your favorite podcast provider, just do a search for Four Hauntsmen, or check out IOMGeek.com for the latest episode of that as well. And what you want to do is you want to like and subscribe to Funny Books, and then like and subscribe to those four Hauntsmen, all four of them. You can't break them up. They're a set. Set up four accounts and subscribe four times. (laughs) Well, good stuff. Hey, guys, super short episode this week, but that's okay. That's okay because we distilled it down to the quality is what we did. Did we? Uh, unlike what they did on Static Number One. So. <laughs> Wait, we no. What is uh? What's the word you use? We um decanted it down to we nothing de- but that, quality. That is right. That is right. We we decanted this episode to ABV of forty five percent. All right, guys. We'll do it next time. Catch you later. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.